Welcome to another episode of Mac and Joe Talk on a Podcast. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another week. Say hello to the kids, Joe. Hi, hi everyone. Um, we are very excited to be back, as always. It's a fun part of our week. We hope it's a fun part of your week. We have an absolute smorgasbord stuff to get through to this week. Packed, packed. It is packed. It feels like this like is a subway a, sandwich. I, I don't know about that one. Feels maybe more like a subway in New York City. That might be a better reference. Uh, feels like this week we got a lot more stuff than than last week. I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I have a bunch of stuff saved for next week as well, uh, simply because there was so much stuff to get through this week. So we're going to kind of jump on through it. Uh, simply first, as a recap, as we always do, weekend box office, no surprise, the number one film in the country was House with, House with the Clock in Its Walls. It's the Jack Black film, the Cape, uh, Cape Blanchett film. $27 million, um, you know, mixed average. It got mixed to to semi-good reviews. Uh, Eli Roth was the director. It seems more like a kid's film to a certain extent. I did not get a chance to see it. What is surprising is A Simple Favor uh, actually came in as the number two film. Predator dropped all the way down to number four. I think that kind of showed how... It's true colors. Yeah, how, you know, this kind of happens a lot of the time where, especially with event films, you kind of get a film that kind of opens big because it's an event film, and then it simply kind of just dies out if it's not very good. Then you get these other films that are... Maybe don't open as huge, but they're good, so they get good word of mouth. People talk about it, uh, things like that. <clears throat> you, did, um, you did see a simple favorite. I did. That'll be the last one I talk about. Okay. Um, I'm going to go through, kind of through the list of what I saw this week. I was able to get out this weekend and see some things. First, I saw The Wife, which is the Glenn Coase, Jonathan Price film. Um, it's an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes again. I don't think you and I are necessarily endorsing Rotten Tomatoes in terms of it, but it's a pretty good barometer yes. of a, a pretty good spectrum of what critics think, at least. Yes. Um, so it's a good measuring stick. It's not always no. maybe how you and I see it, but it's a good measuring stick. I uh, really, really enjoyed the film. I would be shocked if Glenn Close did not get an Academy Award nomination. Um, it definitely feels like that type of film. Uh, this is a film, if I was... 24 versus 34 I might not necessarily enjoy or something like that like it's definitely more of a I was probably the youngest person under 50 in the theater when I saw it and that's not a knock that's just kind of how it was um so it definitely felt like that type of film having said that I really enjoyed it um it's a it's a wonderful story and Glenn Close is someone that I've had a a super storied career on to see her kind of get a role like this is pretty impressive I also saw Fahrenheit 11.9 by Michael Moore, the documentary. This is not a political show, so we're not going to get into politics on this show. I will say, if you know Michael Moore or his work, you know that it certainly slants a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you view that direction, you will probably get more out of the film than you wouldn't. Um, I, I would say that there wasn't necessarily many facts or any instances in the film that I didn't know about walking into it. Um, it didn't change my mind. It didn't enlighten. Didn't, didn't necessarily surprise you. Either. It didn't enlighten me. It was interesting, um, you know, to see things and to see interviews and things like that. Um, it was interesting. 
Um, but it's not something that it wasn't, it wasn't one of the better documentaries I saw this year. I actually enjoyed Fahrenheit 9-11 much more than I did Fahrenheit 11-9. Take that for what it is. The last film I saw, as Joe mentioned, was A Simple Favor. Um, I was absolutely floored by this film. I loved every minute of it. Floored? I really, really enjoyed it. Um, You and I, at some point at the end of the year, will do a top ten of the year. I'm sure we will. Um, This will be in the top five? As of right now, I mean, it's still very early. Obviously, we have a whole three months to go and a lot, a lot of films to get through. Um, But if I had to do a top ten now, A Simple Favor would definitely be in it. It was really that good. It was lots of twists. It was lots of turns. You didn't see where the twists were coming. Um, As an audience member, sometimes you're sitting there and you try to predict where it's coming. You try to predict kind of the storyline or you think it's going one way. It definitely goes lots of different ways. Uh, Anna Kendrick's great in it. Blake Lively, who is playing kind of against type. Uh, She's usually cast as the, you know, blonde love interest. Um, She was definitely kind of this off the beat and path type of character. Henry Golding, who is just in Crazy Rich Asians, plays the husband, who's really, really good. I I can't recommend this film enough. Of the three films I saw this week, this was... It was really, really good. By far. Yeah, I mean, I and, I and I and I went into it knowing that the reviews were really good, you know, ready to enjoy the film. I did not expect it to be that good. Like I was, I was floored. It was really, really good. It's not going to be. It's not going to be an Oscar winner. It's not going to be an Oscar contender because uh, it's not that type of film. But you're going to enjoy it if you see it. I would recommend it. I think you'd get some out of it too. As well, Joe. Uh, We're going to kind of jump into some random news. I wrote down a couple little topics. We're not going to spend a bunch of time on this. Um, There was a report that came out this week. And as it currently stands right now, The Last Jedi is the biggest seller Blu-ray of a 2017 film. Joe, are you going to correct me? I was just going to interject and say it's, it's, it's of 2018. But it's a 2017 film, though. True. Okay, I guess we're just splitting hairs. That's here. semantics, right? Yeah, we're just splitting hairs. I was just the 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 quote that I saw said that of of all movies sold this year in 2018, it was it's the highest selling movie of 2018. So, okay. it, it, I mean, yeah, we might just be so splitting, it might be both. We then. might be splitting hairs. I'm just saying it. Yeah. In any event, yes. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Infinity War eventually catches that. Uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Because I know Infinity War... There might not be enough time. Yeah, Infinity Infinity War just dropped a month ago or so. Obviously, Christmas will be monster sales for, you know, Blu-rays and things like that. Um, But it does go to show you... It was interesting to me um, because this says something to me. Because even though Star Wars fans are quite vocal and sometimes rude and nasty, they're still buying the movie. Sure. So... I mean, they're voting with their wallets, and we're so gonna we're gonna get to a Star Wars that, topic later that's, too. That's very interesting to me, but that it's the number one selling movie of this 2018 of the movies that of all the movies that are being purchased this year. Yeah, it's the top of the list, and that's as of September 6th. I saw. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you saw. No, that I, I I read okay. I read about the. The largest selling 2017 film. Okay. Um, so you're probably right in maybe. your scenario. This is just a different list. Yeah. Maybe. Um, when I look at 2017, excuse me, there wasn't, um, I mean, the biggest Marvel film was maybe Thor Ragnarok. Uh, 
Uh, Justice League wasn't a factor. DC wasn't a factor. No. Uh, there wasn't a Harry Potter. There wasn't a Fantastic Beast film. So it's not surprising to me that Last Jedi was the biggest seller. I, I, that makes sense to me. Um, I would be... I guess I, if we get to the end of 2018 and it's still the biggest seller, then I guess I'd be surprised because I would I would have predicted uh, Infinity War. But I think because it comes out so late, it might sure. not have a chance to catch up because the number I saw was it was at like three million or three million dollars, three million dollars or three million copies. It was something like that. Interesting. Um, and the top, like actually, of the top five movies sold, four of them were from Disney. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Disney does yeah. massive business like in, the, uh, in the home market. Also, last Sunday – or Monday night, excuse me, um, was the Emmy Awards. Um, surprise, no surprise, Game of Thrones won the Emmy Award for Best Drama. I believe it's the third time that Game of Thrones has won the Emmy Award for Best Drama. Um, so I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I think it's well-deserved. The one thing that we've talked about on here is streaming and premium services and premium cables. Um, what stood out to me, there were only two awards awarded to traditional broadcast cables. When I say traditional broadcast cable, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, kind of what the majority of people, including ourselves, grew up kind of watching was traditional cable. Um, and they were really kind of niche wins, too. Um, Saturday Night Live won for Outstanding Variety Series, which, again, happens a lot because that's just kind of the way it is. And it was the director of the Oscars. So it wasn't an actor. It wasn't a show. It wasn't uh, writing. It wasn't directing. It wasn't really anything. It was kind of dominated by Netflix and by HBO, Amazon Prime. John Oliver won. Uh, Netflix and HBO actually tied for the number of Emmys, they both won 23 Emmys. Um, I will have, I will say that Game of Thrones won nine of them yes. for HBO. So that's obviously wow. the gauntlet that HBO has. Um, Netflix is certainly, you could say, catching up or caught up. Um, if Netflix owned Game of Thrones, they would officially own TV. <laughs> but HBO still has ballers, though. So yeah, we can do. still go with that. Um the uh, Netflix, speaking of Netflix, they've announced that there will be a cartoon. Uh, the cartoon Avatar will become a live-action series on Netflix. This has nothing to do with the M. Night Shyamalan film that was just simply not very good. Abysmal. Uh Yeah, it was not good. Um, did you ever see it? I didn't. Okay. It got, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. I mean, I looked it up yesterday, a couple days ago. 6% are Rotten Tomatoes. That's, this is when we were in the M. Night Shyamalan, like... Not doldrums. Yeah, where yeah. he was doing, he did the Will Smith film. Yeah, uh, he did this. He did the one with Paul Giamatti, Lady in the Water. Or, I heard that wasn't bad. I didn't think that. Well, I didn't. I see think it, it started. The, and then there was the Mark Wahlberg film that he did. Oh, the happening. He did yeah. like four or five just clunkers, and then all of a sudden he did um, split, and then he kind of yeah. got back to yeah. to what it was. Um, I was. But it's based off this 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 the la- it's called the Last Airbender. It's based off of a uh, 2005 to 2008 TV show on Nickelodeon. I guess that's what it's based off of. I didn't really grow up watching it. Um, it was a little bit past my time. No. Uh, yeah, so I, I didn't either. Hopefully, it stays true. It, the people are excited. From what I've read, the people who are excited about it are hoping that it stays true to the TV roots. 
and that it, you know, displays the show as how it was originally intended. It has a very big following. It does. Um, it really and does. so Netflix paid a, a premium price for it. Um, Netflix obviously is doing very well, but they are always searching for the next kind of big show. Yeah. And this looks like might be the next big budget type of show that they're kind of going to throw out there. Um, we did get some Joker photos. We certainly did. We also got some, we got photos of the Joker, uh, filming. Then we also got a screen test that, uh, Todd Phillips, the director posted. And the screen test is the one that's more interesting to me. Which is where it was kind of half and half, yeah. Where but where it showed Joaquin Phoenix in the makeup. We obviously don't know if this is going to be the final look of him as the Joker. Maybe it's just a screen test. Obviously, they could change things. But I know you checked it out, Joe. I did. Tell me what you thought of of Joaquin Phoenix in makeup. First off, I have to say that I think even though it's going to be big shoes to fill. Because of the late Heath Ledger's performance, it's definitely as the following Jared. Jared Leto. So Jared Leto was okay. the one that okay. dropped the bar. But in any event, um, to me, I kind of gloss over the Jared Leto because Suicide Squad was so poor, in my opinion. Fair enough. But I can't think of a better off the beat actor who does sort of off the wall roles. Um, I can't pick a better choice to play a character like the Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix. To me, this is, this sounds brilliant. Um, in terms of like the little mini trailer that we saw, um, I thought it looked great. It looks, it looks, the makeup looks simplistic, but maybe that's what this movie needs. Sure. Um, it's not, it's simply a simple makeup. It's not too elaborate. It wasn't cheesy, but not too silly either. It was kind of, it was kind of, very straight to the point, and I think that might be a way to kind of separate this film, like I said, from the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, it looks similar in some ways, but I'm going to try to keep a, uh, the bl- the blinders on and try to view this film for what it is. Um, like I said, it looks simple, and maybe that's what it needs. It needs. It doesn't need to be some grandiose big production, but I think Joaquin Phoenix will bring, you know. He'll bring fireworks to this role. I think it, it's definitely a brilliant move to have him play this role. Um, but we'll have to see how, how things turn out. We still got a ways. Sure. What do, what do you think? Uh, I, it looks fine. It's simply a screen test. And then the, the set photos we saw weren't really anything. Um, I think it's just, to me, it's encouraging that they're actually kind of going through with it and starting filming. Considering um, DC's yeah, mishaps. I mean, yeah, and everything you hear about the film is that it's not part of the DC universe. Uh, it's it's shot on a much lower budget than action films. There's not going to be a ton of CG. Um, it's really going to be about the acting. It's not really going to be about special effects and kind of all these things. It's really going to just kind of tell the story of this this character and how he becomes you know one of the if not the most iconic you know comic book villain of all time. Um, so I'm excited for it. And that sounds encouraging. So, yeah, I mean that's, that's the fact that it's about the acting and not about the yeah the special effects. Yeah, and and I like and I I'm hopefully I'm a, that'll be what we. I'm get. a fan that they that they keep saying it has something to do with the DC universe. We're not going to see great. Batman pop up. We're not going to see any of that stuff. It's just going to kind of be this one-off film. Um, and I'm encouraged by that. So yep. comes out. It won't come out for another year or so. But the fact that we're on top of it. Um, and they're already comfortable enough to show things from it means something's going right. Yep. So we're good. Uh, the last bit of news we got was kind of a big, big news story. Uh, kind of came out of left field. Carrie Fukunaga, 
I apologize if I got that name wrong. He is going to helm Bond 25. We went over a list of potential Bond helmers last week that they listed. He was not on this, so this kind of came out of left field for me. Um, He has some credits, uh, most notably True Detective Season 1, the Netflix Netflix film Beasts of No Nation. Um, He also directed all the episodes of Maniac on Netflix, which just dropped, which is the Emma Stone and Jonah Hill series. It's a limited series. It's gotten rare reviews. I haven't gotten around to it yet. You probably will. I will very shortly. Uh, people say it's amazing. They have all. They've also officially announced that it will be a February 2020 release. So they have officially moved off uh, the fall of 2019. So they've pushed it back. You know, three to four months or so to give them that extra time for filming. Interesting note: This will be the first American director yes, to direct that. a bomb film. I read that, um, which is very very cool. Any thoughts, Joe? You got? Um, or? I'm more anxious to hear about your opinion because this, because I know you've seen True Detective, and so I'm curious to hear your opinion on what you think of how. And I'm sure you will see Maniac, so I'm more interested. You're more you're more interested in Netflix shows than I am, so you have a little bit more experience with him than I do. Um, um, I mean, interesting choice, bold choice. Um, he's a younger director. I think he just turned forty or something like that. Younger director, relatively compared to kind of studio films and things like that. He's kind of done some things that are off the beaten path. Um, you like yeah. True Detectives? Though. Yeah, he's a really good storyteller. Um, he doesn't really have much experience in terms of bigger action films, um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, again, it's kind of the Sam Mendes thing for Skyfall. Didn't really, didn't Sam Mendes walked into Skyfall really kind of you know American Beauty and Jarhead and Road to Perdition and things like that. Um, and to me, Skyfall worked out very, very oh, well. Oh, yeah, it certainly did. Um, so people didn't, you know, people were worried about how is he going to shoot action? He's never shot action before. Um, there's obviously tons of people around there and, and Kerry Fukunaga. Um, I'm excited for it and I'm excited they've announced a date. I'm excited the film's going into production. Uh, the film's been delayed quite a couple times, so hopefully this means it gets going uh, sooner than later. Uh, Disney this week is coming through in the clutch for us. Uh, lots of big stuff for us. We're going to go with the trailers first. Um, they dropped three trailers, all from three different mini studios within the within the Mouse House, um, which kind of just shows the, the breadth of range they have. The first one is the second trailer. It's probably the final trailer we'll get, considering it opens in about a month and a half, for Ralph Breaks the Internet. I was a huge fan of the first Wreck-It Ralph. You as, liked as you I, liked the first Wreck-It Ralph. I did Ralph, like right? the first one. Okay. Um, Are you you saw the trailer? Are you any more interested in this film? Because I think when we saw the first trailer, you were kind of it didn't maybe okay. mix. Okay. It didn't pull you in. Here, no, it didn't pull me in because it didn't make sense. I didn't understand what the plot was about. But now that I saw the second trailer, it actually makes sense. Like the whole the whole premise of the plot. Okay. Um, at least the tidbits that they show you. So it kind of makes sense. Okay. It wasn't just like, oh, he's going to the internet for some random reason. Sure. Like, that was just bizarre to me. It was like, okay, that makes no sense. He's a video game guy. Um, okay. I'm not... I, I I will probably end up seeing it. Um, you and I, we spoke about this before we went on the air here. Uh, I'm probably going to get AMC's, uh, one of these movie subscriptions, which means that I can see up to three movies a week. So I probably will see movies that I have not so much interest in seeing, 
this will be one of them. Um, it's, it looks kind of like cars in that sense. Like, um, I mean, I, it's hard not to, not to compare movies, um, for me to see a scene or, or, or a plot line and not compare it to something else. It's, it looks very similar to cars in that the main character kind of betray or one of the characters kind of betrays the other character. At least they kind of hint at it in the trailer anyway. So I'm kind of assuming that, okay, yeah, they're going to the internet and then they meet this other character who kind of turns, uh, what's her name? Uh, Gal Gadot. You saw the first appearance of Gal Gadot. She was the... Oh, she's the animated she's character. She's the, uh, the, the race car driver. Okay, she's the race the car driver. The one that races yeah, with yeah. Penelope. Yeah. yeah, Penelope. Sorry, that that's her name. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You were looking sorry, for Penelope. Yeah, yeah. I was referring to Penelope. Um, like, she kind of talks to Penelope and says, like, you don't really need Ralph around or something like that. I mean... It just, I don't know. I, I'm always super, super skeptical of sequels. Um, I really liked the first one. I want to like this one, but I'll probably see it. I'll try to have an open mind about it, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. No, I, 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 I'm sure you're I much more the, excited the, about the, it than I'm, I probably am. Uh, the first trailer was, was very much a teaser trailer, so it kind of you know, teased it. Um, you know, you saw the princesses and they kind of, that was the highlight of the movie. Right. That's I mean, the highlight kinda, of the movie up to maybe, my, maybe, um, it kind of drew you in this one. Like you're right. It gives you a story and introduces you to the Gal Gadot character who plays the, the other racer of Vanellope. Um, you know, John C. Riley is hilarious in yeah. general. Uh, he and Sarah Silverman, that was kind of one of the highlights of the first film for me. Uh, it's really, a re- it was a really an original story, the first one, but it kind of, you know, went back to characters that you knew um, with the video game characters. So I appreciated that. Um, it feels like this is going to have lots of little Easter eggs in it, which will be very cool. In the second trailer, there's a small glimpse of a Buzz Lightyear in there. I don't know. You might have missed that. I might have missed it. Um, I'm excited about it. It comes in again. It comes out in holiday season around Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm all aboard it. I'm all about it. Uh, but you're right. It definitely gets more of a story and gets kind of more of a background about why we're there. Yeah. Like we're not just hanging out because Ralph and Vanellope want to go to the internet. Exactly. Uh, it gives us kind of more of why we're back. Um, the next trailer is the trailer that I'm most excited to hear your opinion about. Okay. Um, you might be the biggest, you are the biggest Mary Poppins fan. I am. I got, we got the first teaser trailer a while ago. It didn't really give much. It kind of no. just showed Emily Blunt, uh, which was fine. That was all the teaser trailer needed to do. This is obviously gives us a lot more information, gives us a lot more to see, a lot more to digest. Joe, give me what you got. Um, similar to Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, I want to like it. I will most likely see it because I'm curious and because of nostalgia reasons. But it's going to be difficult for me not to compare it to the original. I mean, the original is so much... The original was so revolutionary for its time. I loved the. It was one of the few musicals that I actually enjoyed. I loved Saving Mr. Banks, which is which really was an original, not not necessarily a sequel, but it was about the filming of of uh, Mary Poppins. Um, I loved Julie Andrews in it. Um, the scene was just. It, you know, I can I, I know all these songs by heart. I grew up with them. You ended up seeing the Broadway show. I saw the Broadway which show. Is something yeah. you wouldn't normally do. No, I exactly like just because it was Mary Poppins. Um, the act. I'll, I'll say this: the actors and actresses look on point. Emily Blunt looks like she could definitely play Mary Poppins. I believe it. Um, I'm gonna see it, um, but 
it's going to be very difficult for me to have a clean slate and have zero expectations for this film, um, considering I love the original so much. Um, but that's just me. I will end up seeing it, as I said, for previous reasons, because I will be getting a movie pass. Um, what are your What are your thoughts, Mac? Um, looks gorgeous. It looks stunning. Um, again, it looks like a Disney film. It looks colorful. It looks bright. It looks like it spared no expense. Um, it kind of showed that little classic animation scene where it gets the hand-drawn animation, which immediately takes you back to the first one. It's very, very clever that they did that. A funny little side note, Dick Van Dyke is actually in the movie and he plays another old, looks like he's an older banker kind of guy. This time he won't actually have to dress up as an old guy because he is an old guy. And so he did a little dance in the trailer did, too. He does a little dance. That. Yeah, that's what, that's what um, I mean. He won't have to dress up as an old man because he is probably, that's probably how he looks. Um, you're right about the cast. <laughs> I mean, it, it has Angela Lansbury's in yes. it. Meryl Streep Meryl is in Streep, it. Meryl Streep, yep. In a small role. Um, I'm, I'm not obviously, I'm... The guy he plays Bert looks very good too. Yeah, Lin, I, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Hamilton fan. I'm a huge kind of what he does. Um, this is kind of one of his first kind of breakouts from Hamilton. Um, he's obviously a huge name, so uh, I'm excited about it. The one thing I will say about it, and it's not going to deter me from seeing it. Um, this is the second kind of Disney live action film that we've kind of gone back to the original uh where it's kind of like a christopher robin in the sense of the kid grows up and then he's kind of sad it very and much looks like christopher robin to me so again I, i'm only going to say it's the second time i'm not going to say i'm down right i'm not going to say i'm not about it um i kind of got that christopher robin vibe where I like the too. kid grew up and i did too all of a sudden we need our childhood hero to come back and save yeah. me yeah. um I don't need to be reminded that I'm older. Like I'm okay just watching the film and just enjoying it. Um, I don't need to spend half the movie like waiting for Mary Poppins to come back. I hope please she just comes back in right away. I think, but she I, I got that vibe where it was like, okay, now we're older. Mary Poppins, that was so silly, and all of a sudden Mary Poppins is back, and we're kind of back to being a child again. That's what to me. That's what going to the movies is is for. If you're going to go see a film like this, so um, hopefully it's not a trend that they continue. But if it works for the story. Just like it did for Christopher Robin. If it works in the story, great. I just hope we're not going to get this type of premise every single time. But you never know. That's why I like saving Mr. Banks. Because yeah. it's so unoriginal. It was different. Um, the third trailer. Uh, the trailer really cool. that I'm going to be that I'm most excited about yep. is uh, Marvel uh, dropped. Brie Larson dropped by Good Morning America last week. Didn't, wasn't it? Wasn't previously announced. Wasn't uh, publicized or anything. And she was like, "Hey, I have a trailer." Here you go. Obviously, ABC is what uh, is the studio that films Good Morning America, so it's obviously good synergy. Um, the trailer for Captain Marvel, the first trailer drop, uh, looks awesome. Um, has everything I wanted in the trailer. Um, I have a bunch of notes on it. Do you want me to go down the notes, or do you want to go ahead and give me your first impression first? Uh, I'll, I'll just say this and then we'll get into details later. It's Marvel Studios answer to Wonder Woman. That's, that's, that's the impression that I got, okay. but go, go ahead and let's hear your notes and then we'll, we'll go into lots that. of different things. Um, it's very clearly telling an origin story. It sets that up right away in the trailer. Um, you know, you're in the 1990s cause she gets dropped off right away in the blockbuster. Oh it yeah. It sets yeah, yeah, that yeah. time frame up right away. That was kind of fun. Um, Homage to the old videos. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, you kind of see that she's at first, she's dressed in green, 
which is a Cree, which is like a villain. So you get Jude Law, um, who's probably not going to be a good guy, but she's probably going to be with the bad guys for a minute. Uh, she punches some old lady, uh, which looked weird. Um, but then you got to see Nick Fury kind of de-aged. You got to see him with cool. both eyes. Very I wonder. Cool. I wonder if we're going to see him lose his eye. I have no idea when that he loses. That would be awesome. I have no idea Not, when he loses his eye. But it wouldn't be awesome to see him lose his eye. But it's awesome. Sure. Just like it's awesome. It was awesome. That was the highlight of of uh, Apocalypse and X Men was seeing Professor X lose his hair. Sure. That was kind of interesting. Sure. But yeah, uh, we got a throwback. Agent Coulson was in it yes. as well. He's not dead uh, anymore. He's not dead anymore. Um, it had a lot of cool different things. It sets it up. Um, you're probably right in the sense of it's Marvel's answer to Wonder Woman. Um, but it also genuinely sets up. I feel like the film will genuinely set up what's going to happen oh, in Avengers absolutely. 4. Absolutely. Uh, because Captain Marvel, as cool as Tony Stark is and as big and bulky as Captain America and Thor are, Captain Marvel is going to be the the most powerful Avenger there is. Um, so she's going to be the one or help lead the cause to defeat Thanos. Um, I'm I'm thrilled about the trailer. It looks awesome. looks cool. looks retro. Brie Larson looks like she's kicking ass. It looks, it looks awesome. It looks cool. Um, again, Captain Marvel is not a character that I know much about in general. Um, I just know that she is pretty much not unstoppable, but she's kind of like Superman, kind of the DC universe. Uh, it's hard to defeat her. Um, to see her kind of her origin story, this might be one of the few. Uh, we've pretty much done most of the origin stories in the MCU at this point, um, unless we're gonna they're gonna keep reintroducing characters. Um, so this might be one of the last few true origin stories we get. So you know, um, I'm, so you know, I'm excited about sure. it because I love the origin stories. Yeah, um, I want to hear. I mean. We don't have to get into politics. I mean, we, 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 sometimes we do discuss things that are politically based, but do you think, are you uh, at all thinking about the fact that this, is a, that this is the first kind of standalone Marvel movie with a woman superhero? Um, do you think that will add novelty to this film? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it'll be a novel idea. Um, I mean, I think Marvel, Marvel, it's the 22nd Marvel film. So the fact that they're just doing it now surprises me. Um, but I will say that DC in general, in terms of their comics galore, have a larger, more established collection of female superheroes versus Marvel. Marvel is very much at the top, very male dominated. Um, you know, in terms of, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, acclaim and uh, popularity. Uh, Wonder Woman, in terms of comics, is very much on the level of Wonder Man and Batman, uh, Superman and Batman. So that makes sense that Wonder Woman was kind of one of the first ones out of the bat for I them. Makes um, sense. Yeah. You know, I, I'm excited. I this is this is the first that. film that's this is the first Marvel film that's directed by a woman. Uh, all that's the true. other previous Marvel films have been directed by males. Um, so again, I'm just yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm excited to get new voices again. I think new voices and different voices are kind of how you keep things fresh. I think you saw that with phase three of the MCU with new exciting voices like Taika Waititi and Ryan Coogler 
things like that that kind of really kind of stretch it um because again if you're just bringing the same directors back every single time you're just getting the same kind of stories um so hopefully we're going to get a new story uh a new style um, i hope it's a new story yes yeah. at this point i mean it, it's it's going to be i mean one of the things that worries me is that they're running out of stories to tell um, just and, wait till they get all the X Men. They get all the Fantastic oh my Four. God. Oh my. I'm just. That's kidding. not going to be interesting. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it definitely feels like at this point, Marvel is as good as Marvel's doing. They need to keep. They need to keep things. Yeah, and not only that, but once you set the bar so high, it becomes very difficult to maintain that. Yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. Um, and Infinity War set a very, very high bar, in my opinion. In terms of the anticipation, and I mean, it's going to be difficult for them to kind of maintain that, especially after Infinity War 4, or sorry, Avengers, Avengers 4. 4. Yeah. It's going to be difficult, in my opinion, for them to kind of keep things interesting after that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's just my Because it's definitely all been leading yes. to, to that kind of combination. Yes. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm excited about it. Um, if, if there's anything else about that that you guys have, let us know. Comment. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, we're going to kind of stick with the Marvel for a second, but we're going to drop to switch over to TV. Some interesting news, very interesting, that kind of came out of left field for me. For the Disney streaming service, they are planning some Marvel shows. That's not surprising to me that they're doing Marvel shows. But what is interesting is they're doing it on characters that are already in the MCU. In terms of the film canon, they specifically said Loki and Scarlet Witch. What also is surprising is they are saying that these actual actors, Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen, are going to play these parts on the series. Hmm. Um, They are going to be produced by Kevin Feige. They're going to be very much part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I will say that all of the... The Netflix shows, The Punisher, Daredevil, um, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and all these things, they are technically in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Marvel TV is different than Marvel Studios. Uh, Marvel TV is run by a different entity. Uh, Marvel Studios is Kevin Feige. That's kind of what he does with the films. So Kevin Feige is going to be involved in this. He's going to be producing this, so it's going to kind of stick to canon. Um, they also said they're developing other series. They did say that there will not be series based on characters that have films of their own. So we won't get an Iron Man series or a Captain America series or a Thor series. That makes sense. Um, but they can kind of flesh out some of these, the other characters that aren't going to get their own films. Um, I was blown away by this news. The fact that they are, again, how much money they're putting into the streaming service, how much they want to compete with Netflix um, they're getting the actors like Tom Hiddleston into a Loki show, even if it's a six-episode Loki show. I mean, people love Tom so Hiddleston you, so you're as Loki. You're surprised? Uh, I'm surprised that I'm not surprised that Marvel's doing the series. I'm surprised that they are that they got these actors to do it. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously they're why probably going to kill get the compensated. cow. Why would you kill? Or why would you kill the golden goose? In my opinion, like if 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 I'm an actor. And I've seen and I've seen the success of these films. Mm-hmm. Why not milk the cow for all it's worth? And sure, I mean, I can. I mean, I can see 
they've certainly done other roles and they're very established actors and actresses, but I just can't see them saying no to this. I mean, I, sure. why would you? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's that's I, a good point. I don't know. That's no, no, me. that's a good point. Uh, on a side note, since we're talking about the Disney streaming service, I just want to say that they did top a million subscribers already. Um, I read that somewhere that they, okay. So just to say that it, it's only been what, like a few weeks or a month talking about Disney. Yeah. The Disney streaming service it hasn't thing. even been up yet. Well, I talking about like pre-sales or something. Yeah. I or? saw something that they already have a million subscribers. Interesting. Um, I, I have no I, idea. I saw that in an article. When I was doing research, cool. Um, so that's yeah, that's, that's not. We're a year away, and that doesn't surprise me. Um, maybe, maybe I might be misquoting that since I I didn't realize it's not hasn't occurred yet for a year. No, maybe that maybe sworn. there is some sort of pre-sale level okay. or some sort of uh, you know early sign up thing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let us know if I got that wrong, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know it looks like they're they're throwing a bunch of money. I'm, I'm in inter- the streaming service, so. I'm surprised. I am surprised that they chose these two characters. That's what I am surprised about. But it does make sense because we really don't know too much about their stories yet, at least in terms of the movies that they've shown. They don't really have an origin film. So it kind he got of, a lot of Loki, though. He's been in all yeah, three but it Thor wasn't. Films. But and 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 maybe he hasn't died. Maybe he's not. Maybe that's what this is about. Maybe he didn't officially die. I mean, I read a rumor about that. Sure. Um, you're right. He has been, in, but it just it. Yeah, it's interesting to me that they chose these two characters, but since you did bring up the point that they're not going to be doing like an Iron Man or Captain America, that makes sense. And that gives me reason to believe that they want to do uh, different stories with characters that we may not be totally familiar with. Yeah, maybe we'll get like a Falcon series or something or, perhaps you know, random things. Um, Yeah, it only gets me more excited for the streaming service. And again, this news kind of came out of nowhere because they they didn't really announce anything about Marvel shows when they initially talked about uh, the streaming service and the fact that they're going to go with the film studio to produce these means you're hopefully getting film studio quality for these limited series. They're talking six to eight episodes, uh, so it's not going to be like a simple you know TV show. They're going to kind of go full out with full quality. Um, so I'm excited about that. The other news that came out. ABC plans a Marvel female heroes series. Um, Not a surprise that ABC is continuing to push this. Um, They didn't mention what female heroes specifically, or I didn't, wasn't able to catch that. Um, I did hear that they are putting the Wonder Woman writer, Alan Heinberg, who co-wrote the Wonder Woman film for DC, um, who has some other superhero credits, uh, screenwriting credits and things like that. Um, he is in charge of this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, take that for what it is. It's probably, probably a year away from that because, again, pilots, uh, the fall TV season is just opening up. So pilot season won't bring for another six months or so. But, um, yeah, I think we're good on that. You're good? Yeah. Um, the next uh, piece of discussion we're going to talk about, uh, Bob Iger sat down with The Hollywood Reporter this week. Uh, this is what I mean when I said I had a bunch of stuff to go over. Um, and we couldn't all fit it on this show, so we're going to follow up with the second part of this Bob Iger interview next week on the podcast. Um, he was asked, obviously, a bunch of different things. Um, one of the things he was asked about was Star Wars properties and 
the lack of success of Solo and why it did not do as well as the other films. Do you want to read the quote, Joe? Sure. Uh, um, Bob Iger came out and uh, gave this. Sure, quote. I'll read it. Uh, Bob Iger said, I made the timing decision, and as I look back, I made the mistake that I made. I took the blame. Was a little too much, too fast. You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make more, make more films. J.J. Abrams is busy making episode episode nine. nine. Is that what that is? Yeah. We have creative entities, including Game of Thrones directors David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are developing sagas of their own, which we haven't been specific about. And we're just at the point where we're going to start making decisions about what come next after J.J. Abrams' series. But I think we're going to be a little bit more careful about volume and timing, and the buck stops here on that. Um, so I'll, I'll respond, then, Joe. I'll give you a chance to, to catch ahead. your breath. Um, to me, this is the first acknowledgement from Disney and Lucasfilm saying that they're screwed up. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we rushed this one out. Um, it was too close to Last and Jedi. It just didn't work. Yeah. I just wanted to plug in. If you haven't read Max's article, he did review that movie quite. And uh, he did review the, the failures of this movie about three months ago. Yeah, and if, may, I don't I know guess. if the article still pl- yeah, still up there. But if you haven't had a chance to read it, it was a very interesting article. It explains a lot of the uh, downsides or a lot of the failures of the film. Um, awesome. Just to plug that. Cool. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, I, you know, I mean, is Bob Iger the one that takes the blame? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, there he's obviously in control of a lot. Um, no one is. I mean, he probably says that in the sense of no, no one in Hollywood, known in the Disney company, is going to question him. Um, so it's 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 nice that he's kind of laying down on the sword uh, and taking the blame for it. Um, there's several things that I got out of this one. We know that, that JJ Abrams is episode nine. That's already in production. They're going to wrap up the storyline. Um, yes, I'm excited that game of Thrones creators, Benioff and Weiss, everyone knows how, how much I love game of Thrones and they're going to create their own series. Um, again, we're years and years away from that series coming to fruition. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause again, game of Thrones final season doesn't even air till next year. Uh, so they are literally filming Game of Thrones now for next year. Uh, how long does it take to write a Star Wars film and go into production and all that stuff? It takes a long time. Um, I will say there was zero mention of Ryan Johnson in this article. Uh, Ryan Johnson, of course, director of The Last Jedi. They had previously announced Ryan Johnson. Even before Last Jedi came out, they previously said, hey, we love Last Jedi so much. Ryan Johnson, you're going to get your own trilogy. Um, no mention, no mention of Ryan Johnson in this saying, saying there is, he's creating his own saga. We heard last week that Ryan Johnson is creating another film with Daniel Craig that has nothing to do with Star Wars, nothing to do with Disney. Um, I have to feel like the last Jedi experience. Yes, it made money. We talked about how much many money it made on Blu-ray, but they are kind of slowly closing the door on Ryan Johnson and kind of pushing him out of that scenario. Um, I 100% agree we don't need a Star Wars film every year. Um, Star Wars, before Disney bought it, Star Wars was fine. Even with the prequels that were not as well received, uh, the films don't make Star Wars. It's the fandom that makes Star Wars. 
It's the comics. It's the novels. It's the TV series. It's the conventions. It's the cosplay. It's the message boards. It's the chat groups. It's all these things that makes... I don't... I can tell you when Return of the Jedi ended and when the first 1999 was when Phantom Menace came out. Uh, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, it was something... Some distance and Star Wars... The legend of Star Wars, the popularity of Star Wars grew. Uh, it didn't grow because there was a movie every year. Uh, I think Disney bought this property for you know $4 billion, and they were like, hey, we got to start making money on it now. we got to start pumping out films. Uh, the films obviously made money right away because there was a ton of nostalgia, but there was kind of too much too soon, I think. And you've spoken about this uh, several times about not oversaturating the market. Um I'm okay with things being spread out. I'm okay with there being a film every three, four, five years. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of we're going to have one trilogy going on over here. Then we're going to have another storyline going on over here. And then we're going to tell all these side stories over here. We're going to have a Boba Fett story and a Jabba the Hutt story. Like, I don't need to see all that. Uh, I'm okay with having one film randomly, uh, having one TV show randomly. I'm okay with going to Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland and doing something like that, a unique experience. Um, to me, this is... Star Wars is going to make money on merchandise. It's going to make money on Blu-rays. It's going to make money on so many other things that Disney doesn't need to make films to make money off of it. Uh, any thoughts, Joe, you got? Um, I kind of agree with a lot of what you were saying. Um, I, I thank you for acknowledging the fact that I kind of said this a long time ago and I kind of stand by it. Um, I, I really enjoyed solo as a movie and I think that if the market hadn't been so saturated, we would have enjoyed it as a, as a film and people wouldn't have been so pessimistic and, and, and negative about it. If it had waited like two years to release or something yeah, like that, I mean, that. I think you're right. Um, I think the general consensus got, was you, it was a good film. You People have to it. create urgency. Um, one of the things, one of the reasons that I mentioned this in last week's episode, one of the reasons why the Bond franchise is so successful because they don't pump movies out every single year. Um, when when uh, you have to create urgency, it's it's they made too too much too fast. Star Wars is a unique brand. The fans are very outspoken, probably the most outspoken of all fan bases. Um, I'm not surprised that Iger is saying this, given the mood surrounding Solo, the fact the failures of Solo, the quote-unquote failures of Solo. Um, it's, it's the one Disney I, film that did not make money. You and, I, you and I both agree it was a good movie. It wasn't a top-notch movie, but it was a good enough movie. And it was a disappointing. It was disappointing that it did not do well at the box office. But it's completely understandable why. Um, I you have to create urgency. I can't say that enough. Absolutely. Um, you need to space out these movies. You can't have. I mean, yes, you can. You can hint at series, but it's like. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm a little skeptical about the Joker film and and these other DC films because they keep pumping them out like it's like they're trying to make money off of it too soon. You have to you have to space it out. Um, Star Wars is not the kind of brand where and like and you I completely agree with you. Star Wars was doing fine without them pumping out a movie every six months. 
it was still it was a great product, and that's and that's why they paid so much money for it. Um, it's a great brand, but I don't think it's one where they can. It's not Marvel. You can't do the Marvel. That is such an anomaly in the movie business, in my opinion. You can't mimic that, and I think you know maybe they were trying to do that. You know, they were thinking they could do that. I have no idea, but then maybe that's my 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 opinion. But that's just how I feel. Sure. Um, you got to create urgency. Um, sure, absolutely. It, it's, it's not the kind of brand where you can pump out movies every six months yeah. and people will stay interested. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, but that's just me. I uh, there's I there's a lot. I agree. I agree with everything you said. Yeah, yeah. There's that's, that's the short of it. There's a there's a lot there's a lot that went into the failure of Solo. Uh, I'm not going to rehash the article that I wrote, um, but it, I, I think it's good that for a company that that is so successful, and Bob Iger, mistakes. yeah, Bob Iger is so successful, and he came out and he didn't give a cookie cutter answer. No, no. He didn't say, "Hey, well, we're going to make it up on the back end with merchandise," and you know, he, he they took acknowledgement for it. And they said we messed up. You know, we we could have handled it better. And we didn't. Um, and, you know, going forward, they're going to be more conscious of it. Um, and that's that's amazing. That's wonderful. Smart people, smart business people make smart business decisions. And the, the press the press release on this or the discussion surrounding this was very smart in my opinion. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. Disney makes a ton of money. They don't need to acknowledge every mistake. But the fact that they do shows good um, sound business yeah. practices. They understand how important this brand is yeah. to them. And then again, you know, Galaxy's Edge and Episode Nine, and you know the the streaming service show with John Favreau. Um, how important it is to them going forward. So they're going to be very careful about that. Yeah. Um, so you know, all good stuff. We're gonna. There's a whole slew of topics with, from the Bob Iger interview with the Hollywood Reporter. We're gonna go into that next week. Um, we don't have too much time to go into that. Uh, now, but that was kind of the big news that I took from it. Um, we got some responses from last week's episode when I talked about uh, Halloween and the Disneyland resorts, uh, Disneyland, Disney, California. Um, so I'm going to kind of talk about some Halloween experiences within the three Disneyland hotels um, and downtown Disney. Again, there are three hotels in the Disneyland resort, the Disney Grand Californian, which is kind of the you know, the five-star diamond um, and, flagship. Yeah, yeah, the entrance is literally next right to. next to California Adventure. You can walk right into the park. It's very, very cool. And downtown Disney, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, Disneyland Hotel is obviously the original, um, so it's at the edge of downtown Disney. And then you and I and, and well, Zach had stayed at the Paradise Pier. We did. It's um, it's across the street, but you get all the same perks of being a Disney, Disney guest, including Magic Hour. Uh, but there's a couple things that are unique specifically to the Disneyland hotels and resorts. Um, I'll just kind of go through there. If there's anything you want to talk about or make an awful joke, Joe, please feel free. Because <laughs> um, that's what you do. That is what I do. Um, at the Disney Grand Californian Hotel, there's an edible display of the Oogie Boogie and pumpkins. Oogie Boogie is the character from The Nightmare Before Christmas, the Tim Burton film. He's also... Um, Dominantly displayed in the ride, the Haunted Mansion Holiday. Um, so it's kind of like a, what am I looking for? Like a gingerbread house type of a thing. It's kind of like yeah, that yeah. type of thing. Okay. Um, some cool facts. Chefs that created this. 
uh, used 200 pounds of icing and uh, over 100 pounds of chocolate. Um, so it apparently is massive. I, when I was in Disney Grand Californian last October, like a year ago, I, I walked through the hotel. I knew there was kind of a big hubbub around this. There's tons of people around there taking pictures of it. Um, I will say that there are 13 hidden Mickeys on display. Again, 13 for Halloween. If you flip around 13, you get 31. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of, they do little things like that. Okay. I, yeah. I have one question sure. about this. You said it's edible. Does that mean that people just go up there and eat I don't, it? I don't think they how eat does, it. How does, how does that work? It's edible in the sense of it's made out of icing and chocolate. Okay. It's not edible. I'm sure, Yes, you can eat it, <laughs> um, but I don't think they want you eating it. Okay. Because I think it would take a long time to, to rebuild it. Um, but that's good. Just in case there's some little kid out yeah, there, he yeah. probably, hopefully, hopefully his mom's with him and his mom knows that you can't go up and eat it. Um, select times and dates, October 2nd through October 31st, you can actually go trick or treating in all three hotel and resort properties. Uh, there is a map that is given out. I assume it's when you check in or I assume it's kind of around the hotel or they give it to you somewhere. They leave it in your room. Um, and it's kind of a trick or treat map. So you kind of walk from hotel to hotel, different parts of the hotels. You can get trick or treat. Uh, so if you have a little one, that might be kind of cool. You can also get an Enrue pumpkin bucket. Um, I'm sure that's not cheap, but there it is. Uh, you can get Halloween specialty treats at the Disney Grand Californian. There is a, apparently a holiday cart in the lobby. It serves Halloween pies, jumbo cake pops, pretzel rods, and pumpkin pound cake. Don't ask me what all those are, but apparently they're very popular. At the Disneyland Hotel in the Coffee House, which is a shop in the Disneyland Hotel, you can get an exclusive bat cookie and the Red Poison Apple Glow Cube. Don't ask me what's cool about the bat cookie. I have no idea. But the Red Poison Apple Glow Cube is a popular item. Uh, you can find that on you know, Instagram or Twitter or things like that. If you type in that, it's kind of it's like the Red Poison Apple from, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes from Snow White. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at Paradise Pier, you can get pumpkin spice lattes. You can probably get that at Starbucks as well, but you probably <laughs> want to get it at the Paradise Pier if you're staying there. Um, we've spent a bunch of time talking about Disneyland, Disney California. We've also spent some time talking about Disney World. We haven't really talked so much about the other parks um, throughout the world. We've touched on it a little bit briefly here or there. Um, but I know some of you guys have expressed an interest in some of the other parks. Um, so Disneyland Paris right now is currently going through a $2 billion Euro expansion. Um, there's a ton of stuff happening in there. So I'm just going to kind of read a couple things that I wrote down. Again, Joe, if you have something, okay. feel free just to, to chime in. But it's mostly just kind of just letting you guys know what's happening. There's not too much happening. Um, Disneyland Paris is creating its own Marvel land. We talked about that before. Um, the rock and roller coaster, which is also in Disney world, but Disney world staying the same is being changed to the Iron Man coaster. That'll be in 2021. Um, so that probably gives us a date of when Marvel land will be ready in Disneyland Paris, potentially also in Disneyland California as well. They are building a star Wars galaxy's edge as well. However, it will be about half the size that uh, Disneyland Walt Disney World will have. 
Again, Disneyland and Walt Disney World will be the exact same size. And it'll be the exact same specifications. It'll be the exact same rides, restaurants. I'm sure it'll be the same exact locations of where the restrooms are inside the land. (laughs) Uh, All that stuff. And in Disneyland Paris, there will only be one main attraction. And it will apparently not be the Millennium Falcon. It will be the other ride, which will be kind of the... The First Order ride. Uh, we haven't gone over that. I'll go over that one time when there's a slow theme park because they've announced some of the details about that. Um, and there will also be a Frozen Land. That's something that will be entirely unique to to Disneyland Paris because there won't be there, – so there have been Frozen, obviously, attractions and things like that. But an entire land where they're going to build a second castle. They're going to be – they're going to build the Castle of Arendelle. Um, and there will be a Frozen-themed roller coaster, whatever that means. Um, it's probably going to be something similar to the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is in Walt Disney World, um, where, yes, it's technically a roller coaster, but it's not it's, um, it's not Space Mountain or no. the Incredicoaster or anything like that. Um, let us know if you'd like any of those topics that I can kind of go into more. Um, but that's really all I got on that. Last week, to wrap it all up, Joe, I kind of gave you a topic to kind of go over. You, a couple of weeks ago, you expressed a disappointment, not disappointment, you expressed concern. concern about the lack of innovation in Tomorrowland. Yes. And the lack of what the actual land was supposed to be, which is, in theory, always looking towards tomorrow. Um, last week, I kind of gave some examples of some differences and some similarities within Tomorrowland amongst the different Disney parks throughout the world. Um, so tell me what you got in terms of what you thought about Tomorrowland. Any improvements you got? Any thoughts on it? Um, I Apparently, this is a topic that has been discussed. Um, I did find an article. I'm sorry, I forgot to write down the name and author. But he had an interesting tagline that I thought was very appropriate. He called it Tomorrowland Becoming Yesterland. Okay. Um, and it and it and it really struck a chord with me just because I kind of feel the same way. Um, Tomorrowland seems very antiquated. I mean, you look at you look at the Fantasyland rides; those rides are antiquated too. But it makes sense because it's not that's not what the the theme of the land is supposed to be. It's not supposed sure. to be high technology or. So it led me to do a little bit of research on the history of Tomorrowland. Um, it did come out in the early 50s. Um, that was when Disneyland, uh, for, for around the time that Disneyland opened. And it, um, it, it featured a lot of things that had, yet, that had yet to happen. There was like a mission to Mars. There was, okay. there was rocket ship rides. And this was before they had rocket ships. So it was very much a state-of-the-art type of amusement park um, area. Um, the thing that's happened now is, first of all, unfortunately, Walt Disney is no longer with us. So his vision kind of got lost. Yeah. Um, his vision has kind of gotten forgotten um, in terms of how he wants the park to evolve. Um, I'm not saying that Disneyland is not a fun place to go by any means, but... It is a little disappointing if you can find any sort of silver lining in the uh, in the park. It would be that Tomorrowland is kind of stale. Okay. Um, 
there's, I mean, and you can point to a lot of different factors because of that. Um, not only have it's, it's hard to stay on top of, it's hard to have an evolving part of the park. It's expensive. Sure. It's very expensive. Um, and not only that, but since technology has changed so rapidly, it's very hard to keep on top of things. Um, Disneyland was very much centered around a utopian ideal in that it kind of pictured a world where, where everything was, you know, the world was a good place to live in. And I mean, not to get too political, but it's not what we envisioned it would be. Um, There was a lot of utopian views back then, and now it's kind of shifted a little bit. Um, Technology is with us every day. Um, No one wants to go to a park where it's all technology-based. It would be very redundant to do that. Um, Makes sense. But one of the interesting points that I wanted to make was that, and we've touched on this before, is what is the future of Star Tours? Um, especially with Galaxy's Edge opening. It seems yeah. also redundant to have a, sure. a Star Wars ride in a, in a land separate from Star Wars land. Absolutely. Um, that seems a little out of sync to right. me. Um, but the rides aren't really revolutionary anymore, and that's kind of disappointing. You know, they have an old car ride in Autopia. They have a submarine voyage, which at the time was very, very revolutionary. It's not so much anymore. Um, They they got rid of the people mover, which I thought was kind of interesting because that to me as a kid was one of the most – I wouldn't say technologically advanced rides because it was just simply like a car ride that you sat in and you went through different – you went. It was kind of like a Universal Studios. Kind of like told a story, though, right? Yeah, it did. T- it did tell a story, but it was similar to the Universal Studios Studio Tour because you go to different places and there's different special effects that are going on in, in the different places that you go. And so it was very much that to me was very cool, and I liked that as a kid, and it was very revolutionary for its time. But since then, they they haven't really. I mean, they improved the land, they remodeled it, they painted it. You know, they, but they used to have like a mission to Mars, a mission to the moon. They took that out because, you know, people maybe it may may or may not have been interested in it. I'm not sure what the future of Tomorrowland hope, uh, holds, but I hope it's better than the Tomorrowland we have today. Sure. And I thought that was an interesting tagline to end on. Yeah, I mean, Tomorrowland but, has has almost half become Star Wars land. Um, you get the Star Wars launch bay. You get the film Star Wars. Path of the Jedi. That's where they do the Jedi training temples with the kids. You mentioned Star Wars. Um, so if you know when Galaxy's Edge opens next year, you have a whole bunch of space that you can create something new uh, and do something exciting. Um, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, the coolest thing that I've seen from Tomorrowlands across the world is the Tron light cycle. Uh, but again, we're talking about a massive, massive ride that spans a huge amount of space that I don't think there's enough space for. Maybe. Uh, what do you do with Autotopia? It's, it's still, the track is still there. The track well, yeah. is the same. Oh, I thought, sorry. I thought you um, said the people over cause the track is still oh, there. Yeah. The track is still I there. I have no idea what they're going to um, do. Maybe it costs too much to break it yeah, down. I, mean, I, I have no, I idea. Have no idea. Um, it's a good point. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a not really, I didn't really give you a, a topic to win at. It's kind of a, 
no. a, a laissez-faire topic. No, in it terms was. Of, it's like I said. If there's a silver lining, if there's anything that you can criticize, if there's one thing to criticize and one thing to point out that could be improved on, it would be Tomorrowland. Sure. Um, but unfortunately. For whatever reason, nothing really. I mean, they'll change the theming of certain rides. Like I said, they changed the theming of the submarine ride to be Finding Nemo. They changed the theming of Star Wars of, of uh, Space Mountain. They've changed that a couple times, but there really hasn't been a dynamic improvement. To I the always park. thought that they do something with Tomorrowland with like Marvel characters, like have an Iron Man thing or something. That would it's, be, like, futuristic. but they're going to do that in but California. They're do, but now California they're going to do that in California yeah. Adventure where they're going to dedicate the entire land, which again, makes sense because it's worth it. It's valuable. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Just an interesting, um, it was an interesting topic for sure. Let sure. us know what you guys think. If you, if I'm off, if I'm off the, the mark here, or if you guys have kind of felt that too, but I just remember going up. Um, one, the one thing that I did want to touch on that may have some impact on it is how the future has turned out. Um, and what I mean by that is, is we, we know lo- for whatever reason, political beliefs aside, we no longer have a space program. So people are no, are, you could make the case that people are no longer interested in reaching towards the stars. You know, the imagination you know, goes into different things. You know, you get guys like Elon Musk and uh, the late, uh, the late founder of Apple, Bill Gates. No, Apple, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, who were very revolutionary and very imaginative in their products and whatnot. But that hasn't translated to this, to this theme, to this uh, theming of this, uh, this land, in my opinion. Um, makes sense. Yeah. But that that was just no. It, it was a good topic. I actually really enjoyed it. I'm yeah. I'm glad that I let us to, know what you yeah. guys think. If there's something that, that there's an idea that you have, yeah, please. Uh, I'm more than let us and Disney both. know, please. Yeah, because I'm sure Disney is listening to this every week. Um, <laughs> thus, and the millions of other podcasts that talk about Disney. Um, that's all we have for this week. It's been a good hour or so. Um, I have lots and lots of topics already planned for next week, including good. the. The Bob Iger interview, there's a bunch more subjects, including Marvel. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Galaxy's Edge next week. Um, we're going to do a October film preview next week. Lots of good movies uh, Lots of good movies coming out in October. Uh, some other cool things happening as well. Um, so we really appreciate you guys listening. Again, rate, review, like, subscribe. Uh, go to fanboyplanet.com. Um, follow Fanboy Planet on Twitter. Follow Fanboy Planet on Facebook. Uh, you know, do all the normal things that I tell you guys to do. <laughs> um, if you haven't done already. And again, as always, I really appreciate you guys listening. That's all from here. Thanks so much guys. Yep. Have a good night.